Greetings and welcome to the Screen 17 podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Raymond Hogg, joined as ever by Rob Mullen. Hello. And Eddie, helpful amplitude, Bolton. Hi there. Phonetics are great. I had to type that one out. Uh, Every other week, we come to you with our takes and thoughts on the media we consumed from screens big and small. If you like what you hear, please consider liking, subscribing, or whatever your preferred podcast service suggests. You can also find us on Facebook as Screen17, set up by the beautiful Eddie Bolton and Rob Mullen, or on Instagram at Screen17Podcast, both of where you can contact us ask us questions, or simply suggest topics for future episodes. Uh, this episode, we are chatting about Man of Steel, um, the 2013 introduction to the DCEU, which I think is called something else now. Is it called DCEU? Is it called anything anymore? They, they tried to make it, they tried to give it another name, and everyone yeah. just went, it's the DCEU. Yeah, no no, one, no one's buying it. Um, no. we're, watch, we're re-watching some of the DCEU films on the run-up to the March 18th release of the Zack Snyder Justice League, um, the true director's vision, as some would say. But before we get into that, it's time for that little segment we like to call What You've Been Watching. Hey, buddy, down in front. For God's sake, turn it off. Turn it off! Ah, the TV, the TV! Eddie. I can go. Rob, Rob's doing his sneaky thing where he's not filling out the spreadsheet. Every he's time. Going. He's just Well, it has to be a surprise, you see. Otherwise, it's not a surprise. Is it, is it more no one, ever, no one ever said it has to be a surprise. Yeah. Just, <laughs> surprise. just dropping it on us, man. Yep. Um, well, what what is it, Rob? What is it? Go on. Give us the lowdown <laughs> on the new new content you've been consuming. <laughs> um, I've only got two movies to talk about, really. One of them is Pure Fluff. Um, never heard of Pure Fluff. What is it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like one of those like oh, uh, furry erotic movies. No, it's oh, a little 2016 indie darling. Oh yeah, I don't think they're quite so subtle with their naming. It's about a rabbit called Fluffy and his adventures to be reunited with his owner. Oh god, no! But it's all um, about like the, there's different blood types, so like it's only the pure fluffs who are allowed. A very Japanese idea. Is that like Harlequin um, rabbits are racist to pure white rabbits? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Bastard this rabbits. took a deep turn. Well, thanks, actually, thanks, for, thanks for that, Rob. That was great. But that actually, that, yep. funny enough, <laughs> tangentially to that, I'm interrupting over Rob. There's a Japanese anime called, um, oh, was it Z Beasts or Beasts something? And it's about a universe populated by animals, but actually, they do have like higher tier of social animals. So, like, these, you have these Harlequin rabbits, which think that they're better than normal kind of bunny rabbits. Mm-hmm. It's very unusual. I can't beast arts or beast beast something anyways i'll um, so while you look it up while, um, while i look I, that up um i'll let rob go on about his first movie go on rob i watched enola holmes on netflix and uh it's good i mean i it was purely a choice as i say of pure, pure fluff i wanted something that had no tension or interest that i cared about i was just mm. really really tired and i wanted something simple and uh it was good for that i would say it's very much aimed at a target audience of preteen girls. Oh, I have the mug as well, actually. I stole this um, head. Ah, <laughs> oh, you bastard! You left it behind, buddy. You were in a quick rush to move out. <laughs> I've, I've, I have a, I have a ton of Batman mugs anyway. So, um, what do you think about it, Rob? In the end, like I, I've heard mixed reviews. Like some people were criticizing it because oh, it's not a real canonical 
fucking Sherlock Holmes thing. But then again, is Sherlock Holmes... None of the movies are either, for God's sake. Yeah. Um, no, I think, if nothing else, it's actually a showcase for Millie Bobby Brown to show off that she can act. Okay. Rather than just look kind of mean. In and cry things. and scream. Yeah. Like, if you were just to watch Stranger Things, you'd be like, ah, she's fine. And then it turns out you watch a movie like this and go, either she's gotten way better, which is definitely true, Hmm. Or also, actually, she's acting exactly the part she's supposed to in Stranger Things. Yeah. Um, I would say this movie, if you have like a preteen niece or daughter, hmm. perfect movie for that. Okay. It's cool. like, that's the target audience and it's perfect for them. Yeah. Um, the next movie is completely different, completely left turn. It's an Irish movie. No um, fluff. That supposedly came out this year, at least says an IMDb, or last year. Um, I think it really only came out this year. Um, called Wild Dating Amber. <laughs> Wild Mountain Time, yeah. No, no. Uh, I heard Dating Amber's great. Yeah, it's uh, based in the Curra. Dating Amber. Dating Amber, okay. So it's a movie set in the Curra, which for those who don't know is uh, Kildare, which near to where I live, which is basically just a big field. The whole place, yeah, exactly. The whole place is a big field. When you drive through the Curra, you basically pass by sheep. You have to stop and let them get past you. There's an army barracks there. There's like horse racing tracks. It's just oh. one big flat field. No, like, I knew you were going to say flat. Okay. Flat. Okay, this no, is sorry. It's undulating. It's Und- undulating. It's, it's insane. I did a half marathon <laughs> a couple of years ago in the current and it was atrocious. Look what you did, Rob. Like, He's gone off on a fucking tangent now. <laughs> I... No, because I was fully expecting it to be grand and be like, oh, yeah, it's the Curra, grand, fucking, you know, flat Kildare, brilliant. <laughs> and then, like, I don't know. I don't think I ran on a flat piece of earth for 20 kilometers, whatever it is, for a half. Ridiculous. It was so annoying. <laughs> I think the reason people call Kildare flat is because we don't really have things big enough to call hills or mountains, yeah. but yeah. the ground is just sort of up and down a little bit everywhere. Um, it's a great movie. Uh, it's set in the 90s so mid 90s i think 95 um and it's basically about two gay kids so a lesbian girl and a gay boy and they decide to date so that they can hide no um and it's really sad it's quite heartbreaking at times it just shows how backwards ireland was like it's set during the divorce referendum which also plays a nice kind of chord against the marital problems that the boy is having, well, like his parents are having. Yeah. Um, because the dad was like an army guy who's just after coming back from, uh, was it Kuwait? Kuwait or where were they? Mm-hmm. They were in the Lebanon in the 90s. Yes, it was, that was yeah. it, Lebanon. He's just back from there. Um, and like usually he's gone for at least six months of time of the year, you know? Oh, so yeah, it's yeah. not a great relationship he has with his wife. Hmm. Um, and the, the kid only kind of finds out he's gay during the movie really like he, he knows there's something wrong with him well not wrong sorry that's completely wrong of me to say that um, he knows there's something different yeah but he feels like it's wrong and yeah, that's yeah, a heartbreaking yeah. thing. no well, that, that's the way Ireland was yeah. like if, if you're in any way different you have to you're, you were made to feel something was wrong with you like that's why even yeah. a lot of people yeah. our age find they, they even came out at quite a late age like we all yeah. have friends and stuff who came out like uh, later ages and stuff like that. You know, even though I, I have relatives who I would have known were gay from a very young age, but I don't think they really knew it themselves. Maybe today, yeah. maybe yeah. I'm just being yeah. a little bit um, overly kind of 
simplistic about it, but like they only came out when they were in their like mid twenties. Yeah, I think we all have at least one cousin mm. who were like, yeah, like they tell you they're gay, and like, yeah, I know, but yeah, like we knew this since you were a kid. <laughs> we're glad yeah. you know it now too, and that you're like, yeah, not, that sounds like a good movie. I'm gonna give that a spin. Yeah, it's really emotional. Like the kids. Mm. In it, well, they must be either I'm not sure what age they are, they're either very late teens or very early 20s, but they look the right age. And there's other kids in it who are definitely the right age, like, yeah, I like that when they actually have like proper kids acting at the age. Like, that's why War the Buttons is like one of my favorite movies because the kids are the age they're supposed to be. That was my go to movie when I was sick as a kid. Mm. Um, it's fantastic, I'd really recommend it to everyone, like, not even I never get this whole oh, I won't watch a movie but gay people. It's just a movie. Like it, mm. it's, it's this so is great. Rough. The acting. I I've met people like that. Yeah, I know people um, like that. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Which is weird. But yeah, it's it's great because you get the two viewpoints of the guy and the girl, mm. and then they can kind of play it off someone who's a bit more accepting of themselves and someone who's really not. And he is trying to hide. He tries not to be gay. He like is going to end up trying to pretend to be what he sees as normal. And it's mm. really sad. And it's this great journey the two of them go on together. Um, yeah, I've heard really good things about it. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to watching it. What was the name of it again? Really I just want to drop it into my Google search for later. Dating Amber. So it's actually, some of it's based on kind okay. of a true story as well. Like the director went through these kind of experiences in the 90s. Mm. I'd listened to a really good interview with him on another podcast. And yeah, it's heartbreaking to think like that's just how it was at the time. Like even yeah. when we grew up, it was slightly better, but not good. Yeah, no. You can only hope that it's better now. Well, I mean, it's, yeah. it's crazy to think that, you know, we were nine and 10. Ray would have been, what, 20, early 20s when. Um, the... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that old, folks. <laughs> 30s then. Hey, I still when, held uh, my hair, buddy. <laughs> you did, you did, yeah. When, uh, when the. Uh, I knew that was coming. When <laughs> don't the show us glass happening, when the divorce referendum was coming, um, yeah. we were all still young, and like it's crazy to think about that. That was even part of our lives. Mm. Yep. Looking back, you always think of like now you look at Ireland as this forward-thinking, um, left-leaning society um, to a point, much more than it yeah. was. Um, mm. But back yeah. then, like the fact that that was even part of a referendum is just insane. It, yeah. yeah, the same thing with gay marriage. Like at least it's we're getting these things off the books as in terms of legal stuff. Yeah. Um, of course they should be legal. We shouldn't even need to talk about it, but yep. at the end of the day, we have to legislate for it. And um, the one thing I'd say about it that I did think of was there's a lot of kind of mentions of say blur and Oasis and all this and stuff that's very nineties. Mm. And the movie doesn't go out of its way to try to include that. Now I don't know if it was like a licensing thing that they didn't want to include era specific music. Mm. Um, I was thinking of this after I'd watched the movie and then when I thought about it more, I actually agree with it. I think it was a better idea not to have the movie really dated for its time to say, this is exactly the 90s because here's the music you listened to back in the 90s and so on. Mm. Um, it's not really necessary because it should be a story that anyone can kind of slip into and understand and feel um, how these kids felt at the time. Because I think a lot of movies, say even the commitments or something, they, they can feel very dated. In some ways, well, the commitments yeah. is massively dated. <laughs> I mean, like, look, yeah, exactly, you just look yeah. at Dublin in the commitments; it's like a completely different city. Yep. Mm, interesting. I mean, that's me. 
Yeah, good show, uh, Rob. I might actually put on my one to watch over the next few weeks. What about you, Eddie? It's actually interesting you brought up War of the Buttons because I rewatched that there only a few weeks ago and it holds up very well. It's brilliant. It's great. Um, I, I, I've yeah, I've watched quite a bit in January, but I'll just go over a couple of the the highlights. Um, so a couple of TV shows I watched a bit like Rob. I wanted something lightened. Uh, what's it? Pure fluff. I didn't watch Pure fluff. Now I'll get around to that at some point. Oh, by the way, that TV show was called B Stars. It's very good. Huh? It's all about uh, like Beast stars. Beast stars. Um. But it's all like uh, one word, so beast ARS, so B stars. Uh, but it's all about uh, anthropomorphic animals that like live or that like go to high school. So you have like the carnivores and uh, the and um, sorry plant eaters. But the carnivores take like a fake meat supplement so they can coexist. It's and it, it's just really good. It's it's fantastic. It, it like follows the story of this wolf called uh, Legoshi. Legoshi, I think his name is, and his romantic interest with a small little rabbit. Very good. We watched it. It was really good. Well, Anyways, I'll, inter- hey. I'll interrupt uh, one of the things that you're going to talk about. No, you won't. No, you I won't. Hey, look, I had to search for that in the background, so I just wanted to interrupt early before <laughs> I kind of get delayed. Go on, Eddie. Sorry. <laughs> um, I watched, so is yours. So I've been watching Barry, um, which stars Bill Hader. He's a He's a, a hitman who uh, starts becoming um, attracted to the idea of becoming an actor, and he starts going to acting classes. And it also uh, stars the Fonz as the teacher in uh, in the show. But it's um, it's really good. It's it's quite fluffy at the start. It's not fluffy, but it's it's easy watch uh, for the first kind of six episodes, and then it takes quite the dark turn. And so I haven't watched the last episode of the season yet because I went on and started watching the US office, which I'd never watched. And I am blasting my way through that. Nice. So I'm it's like, so much fun. Yeah. Um, I'm like halfway through, I'm over halfway through season five after a few weeks. Jesus. Yeah. I can fully believe you. I first watched that show. I don't know if you were like me. Um, I held off on watching it. I have no idea why it was like, you get the idea that it's some sort of cringe humor, which it is, but there was something in my head about not watching it. And then years ago, I think I was working like night shifts, but I was working from home for a while and I just watched it continually during the day. Mm. I think I finished it in a few weeks. Yeah. On the, like the last episode of the show, I made a viewing event, like watching a movie. Well, you know, no interruptions, popcorn, <laughs> you know, like it's so easy to watch is, is the great thing about it, which is kind of what I want at the moment, which is why I think I haven't gone back to Barry yet because there is a couple of episodes that turn a little bit. And it's not that I don't like watching dark things. Um, I do. It's just in January during lockdown number three, it's not what I, it's not what I'm running towards at the moment. Oh, I totally yeah. understand that. I agree. Sometimes you just need a TV show that is uh, fun and has 20 minutes of sort of just its own standalone humor. Mm. You can yeah. really enjoy um, but I, w- I would recommend Barry to both of you. It's really good, and it is very funny at times. I've heard yeah. amazing things about Bill Hader. He's great. Show. But he, he uh, my, my housemate Andrew um, is, loves the show, and um, he watched there's a seminal episode of it where he was awarded the Emmy for 
best performance in a comedy and that episode there isn't a lick of humor throughout so um so yeah it's it, it's tough going at times whereas the office is just you know do you know what i i like about the office is that i feel the characters and this is this may might be a criticism but it's also a positive for what i want to watch right now there's a level of disconnect with the characters in that the worst of them like michael scott are so over the top in their views and what they're saying that I don't think it's real. Yeah. Whereas the UK office is so cringy because you they're so believable in what they're saying. Mm, yeah. I think so I don't get that cringe factor from the office as much. There are times obviously, but it's not as it's not as in your yeah. face. It's that's not what the show is about really. I agree. I think especially after season one, the big difference in Michael in the US office is that he's well meaning. He actually is like in his own weird way a likable guy. Yeah. He's just really bad at it. <laughs> yeah, and there's some really heartfelt moments uh, throughout the the few seasons I've watched anyway. Mm. Um which are again are kind of what I want to be watching right now. So, yeah, I've really enjoyed it and while well, I've four seasons left to go, two more with Michael Scott, Steve Carell in it. So we'll see. I've heard not I haven't heard terrible things about the last two seasons, but I've heard it. it Who kind takes of over from Steve Carell? Loads of people. Di- yeah, do. a few different people. James Spader is hilarious. In he's show. in for a whole season, isn't he? Yeah, he's in and out for a while, but he kind of just plays James Spader. He's like <laughs> serious, kind of awkward and weird. I don't know about awkward. Um, maybe he makes you feel awkward. Oddly, <laughs> overly sexual. <laughs> um. Yeah, I won't say any more. Just I, I know do, people do talk about the ending because one or two characters come a little bit different. Mm. There's one or two storylines that just aren't great. But um, it's still an amazing end to a TV show. Um, I don't think it's still... I don't still think it's as good as Scrubs. I think that's still the best sitcom ending of all time. But it is great. Uh, well, <laughs> is it? The actual ending. Yeah. You, know, you mean the last yeah. season doesn't, that doesn't exist? Yeah. That's um, a spin-off of a completely different story with different people and like different the same actors playing characters by the same name. <laughs> um so but also like Rob, I have something that's quite different that I watched, which was the Trial of the Chicago Seven. That's mm. on Netflix and it came out just at the end of last year, and uh, written and directed by Aaron Sorkin of the West Wing fame. And stars Sasha Baron Cohen, um, Yaya Abdul Mateen, and Eddie Redmayne, and a few other um, actors. It's a big ensemble cast. Um, but it's set in 1968 at the um, the what's it called? The Congressional, um, the Democratic National Convention in 1968, and it's about this group of Vietnam protesters who, from different kind of um, groups against the war of Vietnam. So they, mm. a lot of them plan to go and protest and they're not given a permit to do the protest. So they're like, we're going anyway. You know, you make this safe for everyone because if we don't have anywhere to go, people are going to be everywhere. So um, there's a big um, backlash from the government against the protest, which is why they won't give the license. And it ends up with this huge standoff between a lot of protesters and the police. And the film is about the trial. Mm. 
and I loved it. I thought it was it's one of the best films I've seen in quite a while. New films I've seen in quite yeah. a while. It the tension, the dialogue, the uh, actors. You you want to shout with the actors when they shout. Um, you you want to cry with the actors when they cry. You feel the rage that they feel, and it's. Um, yeah, it's a, it's an it's an incredible film. I does, I have a few nitpicks with it, but overall, I couldn't recommend it highly enough. And it's just over two hours, so it's not you know it's not crazy long. Mm. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful film, and it also taught me a lot about that kind of period in um, in American history as well. Cool, cool. Turns out they should have just stormed the U.S. Capitol building, and they would have gotten away with it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Hmm. Um, so the final thing because I can't let you down but I haven't watched a new Ryan Reynolds film Ooh, or TV show boys. I know I know. Boys. but I've done a rewatch of three <laughs> so <laughs> so you haven't watched um, anything I'll, new you just went back and rewatched three other ones also, well, he's, he's with me That's... in spirit all the time I... oh, my. <laughs> for uh, audio <laughs> listeners uh, Eddie is holding up a Ryan Reynolds covered Hug a pillow. Cushion, cushion, yeah. Yeah, my bae. Um, no, I watched uh, the, the, the one I'll talk about here. Um, I'll get to in a second. But I rewatched Adventureland, which um, for me is a five-star classic. I adore that film. Same. Uh, yeah. Uh, we, we probably saw that together, did we, Rob? I think we did. Um, yeah, it's there's something very moody. And I don't mean that in a sad way or emo way. There's a real vibe to the movie. Yeah. That is sort of it's, um it's funny, sad, uh that's it. That's it's great. That's a great description. Mm. It's a funny sad it's a funny sad film. Yep. Um and I've also started my rewatch of because I don't think I've made it through since I watched it originally, um, of Two Guys, a Girl in the Pizza Place. I think I'm three episodes into it now. Isn't that only one season though? No, it's three seasons. Oh. Because Nathan Fillion comes into it in the halfway through the second season, I think was one of the first things he was in um so yeah the main thing for ryan Reynolds i'm going to talk about today is smoking aces again i think rob and i might have seen that together i think so i don't think i've seen it since though but let me tell you the cast all right is this another star studded event it's insane it's insane ryan reynolds obviously ben affleck Okay. Andy Garcia, Alicia Keys, Ray Liotta, Jeremy Piven, Chris Pine, Jason Bateman, Joel Edgerton, Matthew Fox. And there's other there's loads of other character actors that you've seen in a million things before in it as well. Mm. But the first half of it is, you know, you're waiting for the action to come, you're waiting for something crazy to happen. There's a lot of exposition, there's a lot of build up. And that part of the film is not great. Mm. And then it goes insane. Absolutely bonkers. It's all over the shop. It doesn't make a lick of sense. Uh, character motivations are ridiculous. One guy's trying to kill someone and he must spend half an hour slowly creeping up on the guy who is there for the taking. Um, but it's so much fun. It's carnage in bits. There's some great shots in it. There's uh, the score is really good. the The soundtrack is great. 
Um, some of the performances are great. I love Ryan Reynolds in it. He is um, he's not his sticky Ryan Reynolds, but um, he has a couple of great one-liners in it. And there's also some great one other one-liners from other characters in it. It's a mm. uh, it's an easy watch, and I think if you're able to get over the first half an hour of the film, it's it's really fun. So if anyone here, if anyone here or uh, any of the listeners haven't watched it, I'd recommend it because um, you'll see a lot of like these massive actors before they became huge in it. Um, and Chris Pine in particular is hilarious. He's a mm. big redneck, redneck kind of. His gang is kind of like um, from Mad Max, the way they dress and the car they drive. The original Mad Maxes. Yeah. And uh, he goes around talking about this. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Give it, give it a go. It's great fun. And I'd, I, I'll probably go back to it at some point in, in a few years. For some reason, in my head, I always get this movie and um, Shoot 'em Up mixed up a bit. Shoot 'em Ups with Clive Owen. Yeah. It's also batshit insane. Um, just so weird. <laughs> and Paul, G- Paul Giamatti, isn't it as well? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, I think I think uh, Smoking Aces came out before, but yeah, this again, there's something about those two movies that always conjoins in my head a bit. Because they're brainless, madness, with, fun with, yep. with, gen- with generic titles. Yep. Interesting. Hmm. Um. Cool. Uh, guess I'll, I'll recap what I kind of watched. I haven't really watched any movies bar the, the one we watched for this show. Um, did I finished season two of Camp Cretaceous recently? It's pretty good. Camp, uh, Camp Crustacean. <laughs> I was chatting to Eddie last night. He goes, uh, <laughs> I was watching that one, uh, Camp Crustacean. It's like, what? <laughs> you know, Camp Crustacean with Jamal Jamal. It's like, what? I did not say that. I said Jamila Jamil is her name. I know that bit. Thank you. <laughs> you dick. But uh, I was just like, I, I would pay to see a camp crustacean where it's just like loads of crabs. It's a spin-off, yeah. <laughs> just like with like coconut tree crabs and like normal sea crabs and stuff. Oh, um, like in uh, Jurassic Park 3 with the, what's the little green lads at the start of the film? Oh, the compies. The compies. Instead of the compies, you have a load of crabs. <laughs> <It's> crabs. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to see uh, the Camp Krusty TV show. (laughs) Camp Crustaceous. Yeah, so um, for those who don't know, this is the uh, animated spin-off of the Jurassic Park slash World franchise. Um, Season one is fantastic. It it takes place uh, kind of parallel to the events of Jurassic World to the point where uh, the first half is kind of them kind of getting into a few capers in the second half is literally uh, at the same time the Indominus Rex breaks out and there's a couple of scenes that even overlap with the movie, which is pretty cool. Uh, Season two is them now surviving on the island by themselves after the island's been evacuated, which is pretty damn cool. Um, Obviously, it's geared towards, I would guess, slightly older kids, like young kids will like it, but there are quite a few kind of serious enough bits in it um it doesn't dumb it down it, i would i would say it's almost akin to clone wars in that kind of way so like it it doesn't kind of um dumb down the the situation for the kids uh mm-hmm. one second oh thanks great hi trash i feel i feel like father's head i feel like he must have about five cups in front of him right now 
tea, Father? I got these two that I finished. Jesus, he has <laughs> at least three. Great, Mr. Doyle. I'm kidding. Um, yeah, okay. anyways, uh, yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, uh, the quality of the animation is top-notch. The dinosaurs look amazing. Um, the the story is, is very compelling. Like, it, it, you see these characters kind of grow. Like, they're quite kind of a misfit, uh, mismatched group in season one, and they slowly learn each other's quirks and kind of how to deal with each other's kind of excessive personalities. Um, like you have one who's kind of a video blogger, so she's always streaming and tweeting. You know, everyone knows someone like this who fucking like won't put down their phone and they annoy the shit out of you. But then you develop kind of develop kind of like that, or sorry, you understand that, oh, she's actually quite isolated as in she can't make real friends because she has to be constantly switched on and happy and everything. Um, or you get like a, a rich kid who doesn't understand how the real world works because he's held with fucking kids gloves in this kind of rich world but he's also missing the intimacy with his family like they're not as close as they want to be because he has people who look after him instead of his father and his mother um it's really good like it's it's fantastic you you started watching it eddie didn't you oh yeah i'm two episodes into it it's pretty yeah. good so far yeah, yeah, yeah it's enjoyable um second secondly i've been watching um Actually, myself and Trish finished Night Stalker, the limited run series that's on Netflix about um, Richard Ramirez, the, the obviously the quote-unquote Night Stalker killer um, who was kind of active in the 70s and 80s in California. Uh, I, I love I have a real soft spot for these kind of serial killer short um, documentaries. I think everyone kind of has a fascination glad with you, these shows. Glad you finished well, that sentence. I mean, <laughs> I, I get where you're coming from. I don't yeah. know about the serial killer ones that follow one person for a really long mm. time. I have watched basically every episode of Forensic Files. Okay. But I've kind of preferred more the science bit of that. Yeah, yeah. Where they, like, yeah, they come yeah. up with some crazy ways to explain crimes. Um, I, I like this. I, I like it. It's, I like these kind of, like, I didn't know who, who the Night Stalker was before this. I purposely didn't re, like research, like, oh, who was Night Stalker? So I didn't know it was Richard Ramirez and all this kind of stuff. Even like, you know, that name didn't, resonate when i was younger so like was he in la was it uh yeah i think it was california-ish um i think it was one killing or t- a couple of killings he did in san francisco that that was tied back to him um but like then he he died of like lymphoma in the end they didn't even get to execute him um but he was a sick bastard like like unbelievable um the uh, uh, these these shows i've kind of um I've definitely fallen off with since um, Tiger King, yeah. which I really didn't like. Um, I think there's a lot of um, exploitation in them at times. Mm. And I also yeah. don't think it's ever been bettered than... Making Jinx. murder? No, he the wants Jinx. to say Jinx. Jinx. <laughs> you, I can see his head good spinning um, there. He wants to say the Jinx. I, yeah. Making a murder is in my head because I get the same thing. I did like Tiger King, but yeah. I get what you mean about the manipulation because making a murderer, they very much edited out so many things to mm-hmm. get the kind of dialogue and the narrative that they wanted to drive. And I get that, you know, as a documentary filmmaker, you want to create some kind of narrative. But I think the best documentaries are where they go out to explore something mm-hmm. and they've no idea what the story will be yet. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I get what you're saying, Ed. To me personally, at the moment, I just can't watch really dark shows. I think part of it is maybe, you know, just emotional and psychological tiredness from mm-hmm. COVID nineteen for nearly a year now. Um, 
that I need things like maybe the US office just to have something fun to watch. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like, uh, springing off that then, because the only other thing I've been constantly watching, uh, literally, it's my dinner time sit down with Trish, and we put on an episode of this every day religiously, is Star Trek Enterprise. I'm fucking loving this show. It's so much better than Discovery. I'm really annoyed I didn't give this a chance when it was originally on TV. It's really yeah, good. I, I watched the first season. I think we we probably have talked about this here before as well. Yeah. I think, yeah, you're right. It has that Star Trek feel to it. Yeah. Like it's everyone, like, I, I think um, there's, it's weird. Not that I want to be one of those assholes who's like, back in my day, I liked Star Trek before everyone else. Yes, you <laughs> do. Back in but, my day. Star- <laughs> no, but really, no, like Star Trek wasn't cool. Um, no, no, it wasn't. They have Star Trek because obviously niche kind of nerdy culture is a bit more popular. Mm. Star Trek is much more cool. Yeah. Um, and Discovery, while I think I enjoyed it more while I was watching it, when I had time to think back, it really isn't Star Trek. No, it, it it's the same problem I have with Picard. It's like, this is fine if it was like a standalone, like one-off feature-length movie. Do you know what I mean? Like, but as a series, yep. it's really like it took three episodes of Picard before they even set foot in a starship. Like, that's just fucking like it's not Earth Trek, yeah. it's Star Trek. <laughs> I definitely <laughs> didn't dislike it as much as you did, Ray. But I know where you're coming from with yeah. that. There's a few. There are. I uh, there's there's more Star Trekky bits in Picard than there is Discovery for me. Hmm. Part of that's just because Patrick Stewart's in it. Yeah. But there's also some little bits in it. Do you know when he's he's French in an episode? Where he's he's always French. Sean Luke Picard. When he's putting on a French accent. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I thought the last... Actually, the last episode's great. I, I thought that was the best episode of the whole series. When uh, Riker and the copy and paste Starfleet chips turn up. Yes. <laughs> like, literally, not one varied starship among them. They were like, right, we have one model. Yeah, copy and paste it. No one will know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean uh, yeah, no, we don't need to get into that. No, we'll um, say let's save the Star Trek bashing for another day. Will we just get into the main topic because we're already thirty minutes in. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> yes. Right. Um so who who wants to give it first? Well, no, we're not gonna give it. Our, let's no, let's our... do the introduction here. So we are yeah. talking about Man of Steel. This is the like we were saying at the top of the episode, the two thousand uh two thousand and thirteen introduction to the DC expanded universe. Um, it was. Can I also the... add in? Sorry, right? Yeah, can yeah I no, just go say on, go before, on. before we go on to the film, just the the plan here is before Snyder's Justice League comes out on March eighteenth, we are yep. going to go over the core um, films of the DCU that lead up to that film. So yeah. that doesn't include Wonder Woman or Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four because they're not core to this story. Yeah, if that makes sense for listeners. So you have Man of Steel, and we'll have BVS, and we'll have the um, Joss Whedon version of Justice League as well. Are we watching that? Yes. Oh, no. Okay. Yes. That means like we'll we know exactly we what's do... been replaced. Yeah, as, as we should do. We're podcasters now. We need to... We're In fairness, to... We're I think pod- I did that podcasters with Podcasters um... now, for sure. What a fucking twatty line that was. <laughs> We're yeah. podcasters now. <laughs> I usually get a t-shirt with that on it. We... <laughs> We're podcasters now. <laughs> that could be uh, your Facebook tagline because you, you start off like movie review website. Yeah, Blog. yeah, yeah. I'll, just, I'll change that. Yeah, podcasters <laughs> now. Yeah. Um. Anyways, look, 
quick uh quick overview of the movie released in uh june 2013 directed by Zack snyder story by david s goyer and christopher nolan um i completely forgot the story was done by christopher nolan i knew he had something to do with it um starring henry cavill amy adams and michael shannon as general zod uh, music by the ever fantastic Hans Zimmer. His score for this is amazing. We'll touch on that in a minute. And budget of a quick, quick one without googling this. I've got, the, I've got the right here. But the budget was two hundred twenty-five to two hundred fifty-ish million. How much do you think it made at the box office? This is in dollars now. Oh. I think I know this. This was in the days of billions, though, wasn't it? So I think seven hundred million. Okay, Eddie. Uh, I think it was a. About 660, 670 million. Oh, closest <laughs> within the million without going over is Eddie Bolton. It was 668 million. Oh, oh you were so close. Jesus, <laughs> that was close. Twice is right. You'd be going home with a yacht. <laughs> with, a, with a Henry Cavill. I wouldn't mind going home with Henry Cavill, in fairness. That'd be pretty, pretty, yeah, great hugs. I'd fucking build up to see with that man any day. Yeah. Well, that's what that's his hobby. <laughs> he builds PCs. Yeah, he's a big nerd. Yeah, he's a massive nerd. He's a massive World of Warcraft gamer. Yeah, he was at um, I was a few of us were at a festival in Bray uh, a few years ago. I can't remember what it was called, but um, Henry Cavill was randomly at it. There was only like, I'd say there was two thousand people at this, if if that. Where Christy, Christy Moore, The Darkness, and a few others were playing, and yeah, Henry Cavill was just walking around. Deadly. I think he knew someone in, in one of the bands or something, and he was invited to go, and he he had a weekend off. So he came. why do I really want it to be Christy Moore? <laughs> I just want Henry Cavill, and Christy Moore to be best mates. Just like how does Christy. Work? <laughs> I'll write a song for you. I'm an ordinary man. <laughs> Anyways, love God. is a tape. <laughs> Superman fly from anyways. Don't don't forget your cape if you want to go to work. <laughs> so this movie, um, I guess we were gonna start off with um uh, the run up to the movie, the the rumors, the the kind of the teasers and, and whatnot. Do you guys remember the build up to this movie and what it was was going off? I think Yes. Was it kind of taking the Dark Knight trilogy as a springboard. You probably know more mm-hmm. about this, Eddie, would you? Yeah, so it was it was in the build-up to the Dark Knight Rises that the Goyer and Nolan and his brother John, Jonah Nolan were writing the the spec for the script for Dark Knight Rises. And I think they, they'd they hit a wall at some point and David Goyer had this idea for a Superman film and Nolan loved it. And so they they came up with the with again with spec, a spec script for Man of Steel mm. and put it to Warner Brothers, who obviously you know after the success of the Dark Knight went yes we will we will make this. <laughs> so I, I not I don't think Nolan ever considered directing it, but yeah. they they went and got Zack Snyder, who I think he was just coming off of Watchmen and Three Hundred, so they mm. wanted him to make it. Um, yeah, and I remember when that happened, I was you know hearing. You know, the, the Dark Knight trilogy is three of my favorite films of all time. That the same creative force were going to be doing a Superman film, I was like, "Oh my god, yes!" Yeah, yeah. So I remember that. Do you yeah. remember that, much of that, Rob? Definitely do. I mean, for me, I've never loved Zack Snyder really. Um, I like elements of things he does, but 
it was really that sort of Christopher Nolan buy-in that made me think this was going to be something really, really cool. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. See, I, lo- I loved Watchmen, so I was, and I still love Watchmen. I think still think it's a great film. So I, I was. Still, yeah. I think actually, of all of Zack Snyder's movies, that's the one universe that lends itself most to his visual style, mm. um, because it's corny as hell, but so is the source material, and it's really dark and depressing. <laughs> Yeah. Again, yeah. like source material. Um, I it, to me, it's his best kind of comic book movie. Yeah. That he's done. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that was the same for me. Was that sort of rumor mill of oh, Christopher Nolan's involved in the Superman movie? I think even at the time, I wasn't real interested in having um, Batman, especially not the uh, Christian Bale Batman lineup with Superman, and there wasn't really any hints of that. No, it was just just detached thing. <clears throat> well, I mean, after Man of Steel didn't do that well, they had I mean, there was rumors, and they were pretty substantiated rumors that Warner Brothers pulled up a massive truck full of money to Christian Bale's house and asked him to suit up again, mm. but he turned them down. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, that's almost uh, like it's bittersweet in a way because I'm sure him coming back would have been amazing but it would have in also a way kind of tarnished what was essentially a really nicely bookmarked trilogy yeah book trilogy. i mean um like it just that that itself is a nicely contained trilogy it didn't need to be added upon didn't need to be built upon it just is what it is um but then again (laughs) would you like would i like to have seen what could have possibly been christopher um or uh, christian bale and henry cavill's Superman and Batman beside each other might have been cool. I don't know. I'd love to have seen it and then it not have affected my enjoyment of the Dark Knight trilogy mm. in any way, shape, or form. But you can't have that. No, exactly. <laughs> it always will. Yeah. yeah. But I remember um, just for my memories of going to see the film, I was hyped and I remember Hans Zimmer's score actually came out before. Yeah. Film did. That was the big was... production video of, of like Pharrell Williams and all the other drummers playing the like there was I haven't seen that actually. Oh there it's amazing. There's a big like circle. I think there's like maybe twenty drummers all in a circle and they're all playing that like a and it just looks amazing. Um but that's gore, like that Superman theme, like down down, down down, down down. Yeah. I mean that's I wonder if um, Hans Zimmer had that written on his wall. It's like understated because very much, if you think of the bombastic original Superman team, mm. it's extremely happy and hopeful. And then there's this like, it's so subtle. It's like two notes really just rising. Um, it's brilliant. rising like a man in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was, it was the, it was flight, which is the, the obviously the score where he's, um, yeah and i was i listened to that over and over yeah. and over again before i even saw the film when i saw and, the trailer uh, and that music was in it where he like has his fist on the ground and he goes up and then you see the sonic boom go poof, and that music yeah, is playing i'm just so like cool. goosebumps like probably oh i'm even getting them now yeah. like that scene is just beautiful yeah it's really cool um and I remember that I was listening to it as I was lucky enough that there was a, a a preview screening on I think two or two or three days before it was released in the cinema, and um, I was given a ticket by someone I know in the Dublin Film Festival. 
So I got to see it <clears throat> a couple of days before it was released and still have like this cool card that came with your ticket. Just had like a big, you know, image of Henry Cavill in, in the suit saying what the date was and what the screen was and the time and stuff. Um, and then watching it, uh, I came out having been so hyped for it that I'm glad I went back and watched it this time because mm. I found myself trying to like it more than I did because I was so hyped for it. Yeah. So there, that's my memories of, uh, of, of seeing it for the first time mm. in Savoy yeah. one in Savoy one as well, which, you know, so if you remember Savoy one was like the, it was such a presentation because it, you know, at the time it was the biggest screen in uh, in Ireland and it's not there anymore unfortunately they've like split it into three cinemas now yeah but you had like this one massive screen that had the the old red drapes that would mm. pull open when the film was about to start so cool what yeah. a, such a lovely such a shame it's gone yeah so like interesting oh that's a great screen for that mm. they yeah, they split it now unfortunately but yeah, yeah. um the mm. the funny thing with man of steel for me is that it's the post analysis and the movies that happened after it mm. in reaction to it to it and the fact that the marvel universe so interestingly kind of changed the legacy of this movie a bit yeah um it was quite strange how that can happen you know i'm not sure that has really happened with other movies before yeah i think that, um, do you, i wonder if it's the financial kind of commitment that warner brothers as a studio kind of they they got so nervous at each of their releases subsequent to this, that it almost felt like a knee-jerk reaction to what the, they think people want to see, rather than just committing to an idea. Like, I agree. Like, saying, like yeah. after Man of Steel, they thought, "Oh my God, you know, it didn't do as well. We need to up the ante. Let's go straight for fucking just, like the the ensemble movie. Let's just get everybody into it." So yeah. like they skipped. But the even up. I think like you're hitting the nail on the head and it's funny even at low level stuff how the story is crafted and little bits in the action scenes for bvs changed because of how the reaction to man of steel happened yeah. and how as well the reaction to um some of the avengers movies happened as well mm. yeah know, yeah it's it's interesting yeah i guess there i guess was, I, a, go on there was a lack of patience on warner Brothers' side with it because it made uh, it's always said that you know you you have to earn three times your budget to make a profit on these big mm. budget films, and it did that. And there's a lack of patience from Warner Brothers that they wanted the big hit right then and there. Whereas um, Marvel, who you know, I'm not saying there's a lot of Marvel films I just don't like, yeah. and that's fair enough. Um, I, I don't agree with the ludicrous praise some of them get, mm. but Marvel stuck by their guns and said. You know, look at the box office returns for Thor, Captain America, um, The Incredible Hulk. Like these films did not make a ton of money, but they were patient with it. And now, nearly every franchise is pushing the billion dollar mark because yeah, they were I patient do. and they let they let audiences build up to be so hyped for, you know, Avengers. When most people, by looking at the at the the box office for Avengers, most of the people who went to see that film hadn't seen any of the other films. Maybe yeah, that's Iron a book Man. I would. Uh, I'd love to read a book on that mm. of the behind-the-scenes stuff with Marvel because I wonder, you know, we always hear about Kevin Feige, and I wonder if it was him or someone else or more than one person who was behind sort of 
driving these movies and convincing all the executives that it's okay to have like movies that hit a little bit less so long as we introduce the characters because the end goal is to have several movies that earn billions. Yeah, because I think with that, like you, you're absolutely right because there there are people who, when Iron Man came out, probably just passed it by because they were just like, oh, I don't want to see this. What the fuck is this Iron Man? Like, he's not a superhero. Who the fuck is that? Um, but then you had the comic book fans who did go to see it, who were hyping it up. And then obviously it being a good movie helped massively. Um, but then when they started introducing some of the kind of uh, very cautious saying B-list superheroes, but they wouldn't be your, your tentpole superheroes, like your Spider-Man, your Iron Man and all that kind of stuff or Wolverine. Like you get people like, was it Dr. Strange? Like I never thought I was going to see a Dr. Strange movie. I never thought I was going to see a Thor movie ever come out even when they announced thor it was just like they're gonna do a movie about i'm thor god of thunder and even when captain yeah, america was released i was like they're gonna do a captain how are they gonna make captain america cool i mean obviously the avengers was the end goal right yeah so yeah, yeah it's all it's all framed around that but it was also a smart move because people liked fantastic four and well obviously didn't have the license to them or x-men but even if they did i wonder if they would have used them mm. because there's so many other movies bad and good associated with them that the pool of stories and the characters are a little bit kind of washed out and people mm. have their preconceptions with them it would have been very difficult to integrate them i think where you can start an almost blank canvas with these ridiculous characters yeah yeah no it's great and i know Mar- marvel generally have a, their formula for their movies like you know the unlikable person who is thrust into having some sort of supernatural or superpowers uh, unwillingly and then has to learn to i guess <clears throat> be a better person with this responsibility like that seems to be the, the constant mo of most marvel movies um but the thing with superman like or man of steel is i felt this movie could have been a little bit less bombastic and worked just as well if not better like they didn't need to go to the big city destruction scene i that's kind of what I was alluding to with how the post-analysis of this movie changed it. Yeah. Because especially, I don't know if you were meaning to suggest this, Ed, but watching it again after not seeing it for a few years, I really watch it and go, Superman is terrible at his job. Now, they try to show us that Superman is just starting out, but mm. maybe a million to thousands of people die in Metropolis. Um, because of all those skyscrapers getting destroyed. And now mm-hmm. knowing what we do about um, 9-11, yeah. a lot of the people who lived during even the attack would have died afterwards from horrible cancers and things because of all the uh, ash in the air. Um, I understand the stress. Yeah, so you're talking millions of people who are either dead or have severe illnesses yeah. or psychological, physical or otherwise. Um, what a figure. Because of this, and it's... I've I've just googled this. And I, they, they say that can canon, canonically five thousand people died in that disaster. There's way more. No than way. 5, people died yeah. in that. <laughs> way more. The two like, towers was what three thousand? Yeah. Yeah. More. Now, how many skyscrapers? How many two towers were yeah. in this film? Like that, that's um, the thing, and like this, this isn't even counting like the fucking debris falling from the numerous buildings that collapsed. Yeah. Now watching it again, another point occurred to me after I finished it. And now, please correct me if I'm wrong, but there's no reason for them to go to Metropolis whatsoever. From I think, from memory at least, Clark slash Superman is never in Metropolis in the movie, except for the fight at the end. 
There's nothing to show he should be there. There's nothing it, to tell it, us. It's only because the um the not the world machine, but the opposite side of the world machine comes down over Metropolis. But it's not on the opposite side of the world. <laughs> it, it is, is it not like Metropolis and the Indian Ocean, wherever the word that there's a beam going backward and forward through the Earth core? But it isn't the opposite side of the world. I'm pretty sure. Um, well, I thought that was the whole point that the the wor- world builder was on one side of the I planet. I taught that too. I called that a glitter. globe. No, now, admittedly, what... it's hidden. They're, they're very... That's what's supposed to be happening. I think they're very general because they say Indian Ocean, right? Yeah. But I'm pretty sure, like, if you touch down almost anywhere in the world, the opposite side of the world is ocean again, because it's mostly ocean. That's fair. Um, I don't. I tried to recall i didn't want to bother going back and scanning through the movie to see if they said that but i got the sense that's what they're trying to do mm. and now this is another problem i have with this movie um to me before i'd seen it it very much was in the backdrop of superman returns which was a bad movie um i haven't said what i think of man of steel yet but <laughs> superman returns wasn't good it was okay yeah um, i watched it once and will never watch it again pretty much the same yeah it's just there was nothing like overtly terrible about it other than maybe uh kevin spacey yeah even like he's a great actor I, regardless of what you say about him the man is in amazing acting in some great movies yeah this and, wasn't and one of them in fairness brandon roth as clark kent was fantastic as well I, I just think the actual story of that movie is a bit shit but do you not think the story of that movie is the exact same as man of steel because they're basically like i'm going to create a mini Krypton here on Earth, and then Superman has to lift it all up into space, and that's really difficult, and he gets rid of it. Yeah. Only in Man of Steel, it's they're going to create the entire world into Krypton, and Superman's sitting there trying to destroy the thing that's turning Earth into Krypton, which is essentially their version of Kryptonite in this movie, and mm. he has to overcome it. It shoots through the world eater engine. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things that rang similar with me, and that, like, of all the movies to kind of copy, and now they probably didn't intentionally mean to do it. It's just that, you know, these grand stories. The other thing Skybeam. I have against this movie, the fucking Skybeam. Yeah, Skybeam. Um, <laughs> I thought it was a Skybeam. <laughs> Independence Day was 1996. Yep. It was 17 years before this. We've basically already done Skybeams now. For 17 years, we've ha- we've do- they were done. We didn't need to do any more. Fucking Superman movie shows up with a Skybeam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about some of the positives in this film for a minute. Um I think the first half of the film is very good. Yeah. I think the first fifteen minutes are by far the best part of the film. The yeah. Russell Crowe no. sorry, I guys? love that bit. Yeah. yeah I don't know so if you were gonna good. say this. Um kind of about the timing of what it was like in 2013 but there was definitely rumors flying around that there was going to be a krypton movie with russell crowe as jor-el yeah and even watching this back again it's like i would watch that movie that's like a big greek tragedy yeah it never stops it's so brilliant like the, it just amps up every part of that the the, the ending of krypton and it, it i love that it culminates in this slugfest between Zod and Jor-El at mm. the end. They're just yeah. beating the shit out of each other. It's but great. It's great. And what's even cooler is it doesn't just end on that. Jor-El spots that his son's away and is just staring at him. And then almost just ignoring it, gets stabbed. And he's yeah. like, oh, well, I'm going to die now. But he doesn't care because he already mm. knows he's dead. 
Yeah. And it's like, that's where his attention is. And even, I suppose, as you find out later in the movie, his consciousness mm. was copied onto yeah. the shard. Um, yeah. I really like that part. I kind of want to see more of that world, but, you know, it was a nice little introduction to it. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, uh, there's nothing I'd change about that first 15 minutes. I think it's it, it introduces you to what's going on exceptionally well. And I yeah. like that the you're... I like that Russell Crowe doesn't disappear from the film after yes. that. Yeah. And I actually wish he was in um a little bit of BVS. Yeah. Or yeah. or Justice League. Um like so the one thing see. um I don't know if you guys ever watched Smallville. Yeah. No. Um maybe the first four to five seasons of Smallville are really good. Um especially when you're younger. Um that there's a lot of the biggest tease, by the way. It's the biggest tease. <laughs> yes, it is. Like, he just doesn't fly until the always end. Always <laughs> about to become Superman until he just doesn't. Yeah, it's pain in the ass. I'm glad I didn't watch the last few seasons. Um, I, I dropped off after but, season six, and then I watched the last yeah. three episodes purely because there was the end of the season. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. Yeah. Um, but there's so much Jor-El and stuff in that movie, and it's it's unfair of me to kind of plot that onto Man of Steel because it's a mm. completely different thing. But that's just a frame that's in my head and this a back the stuff I have going on in my head from having watched too much of Ma- of uh, Smallville. Mind you, the thing I like, like about Smallville and the whole Jor-El thing is the fact that there was a reason he sent him to be found by the Kents is that yeah. there's a whole backstory that Jor-El visited Earth something like 40 years before Clark landed and Jonathan Kent helped him out after he was injured. And that's why he sent that pod to the Kent farm. Yeah. It was pretty interesting, actually. And, even, and like even more, there gets to be a dialogue between Jor-El and Jonathan Kent. Yeah. They have their own talk together without Superman being there. Mm. And I kind of wish, in the very least, that Superman was a little bit more along his journey at the start of this movie mm. than he is. Like, he seems to know almost nothing about himself. Which I think, for me, now I know we were supposed to talk about the positives, just going to this point when I'm doing it. Um, Negative is, I think that, um, at least for me, I think Zod is the wrong villain for Superman who doesn't strongly identify with who he is yet. Yeah. Because he's such a contrast to who Superman is. Yeah. That if Superman is on shaky ground in terms of who he is supposed to be, mm. that having that, like, that Joker-esque character doesn't really work so well. It's why I guess, you know, in Dark Knight, the Joker was a perfect choice there versus mm. the first movie where Batman isn't quite defined yet. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, Zod in the second film would have worked a lot better. Yeah. And that's like, okay, again, I'm probably, you know, affected a bit by Superman two, mm. which is a really good movie. Um, and he worked so well there, even though it's cheesy, but yeah. yeah, back to the positives. I really like Henry Cavill as Superman. I don't think he gets to show off how great he could be in the slightest. Um, I think it was an inspired choice. In general, actually, I think the casting from this movie is almost at odds with the story because the casting's really, really good. Mm. Um, Just on what you're saying there, though, about the, the uh, Superman not knowing himself, that is one of my main criticisms about the film because you never really get to see the Superman that we all know from either the comics or, or film or TV. Mm. He never appears in this film. Yeah. He's just kind of, and that's my other 
I'll go back to the positives in a minute. Feck anyway, Rob. My other <laughs> big criticism, I, I do think this film falls off a cliff when Saad turns up, and that is in no way uh, diminishing how incredible Michael Shannon is because he keeps you engaged by how good he is in this film. He really he is such the scene great for a bad guy. Yeah. yeah. My He's God. Incredible. Um, now, exactly on that point, I was chatting with my wife about this after we finished the movie. My wife. This, <laughs> this isn't a Superman movie. It's not. Man of Steel isn't a Superman movie. It's an alien invasion movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it does alien invasion much better than it does Superman mm. because, you know, it does almost the exact same beats as any alien invasion movie. Alien guy shows up, takes over the airwaves slash TV, um, announces their arrival and uh, subsequently fucks up the place. There, I have to mention one hilarious moment in this movie that I just noticed and broke my shit laughing uh, when we pointed it out. <laughs> Was, you know, when um, the ship uh, flies, they have like photos of flying past the moon and they're in, I, I think it's a CIA slash Air Force base. Yeah. They never quite define it. Um, and there's all these photos on the screen. And one of the photos has this arrow pointing at the ship. <laughs> it's just like it's this big, giant fucking ship. <laughs> Maybe they were looking at like a YouTube video, you know, like, top ten things you missed about flying yeah, across the moon this week. Exactly. It's like this is the thing to look at the photo <laughs> in case you missed it. No, yeah. it's that other like unknown object flying past the face <laughs> of the moon. I mean, that's that's typical kind of you know, sci-fi stupidity yeah. that, you know, oh, they're not going to know what they're meant to be looking at here. Yeah. Uh, they're looking at scientists. Anyway, mm-hmm. the, 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 I, I love the introduction of Zod when he emerges from space. It's like a horror film. Yeah. And that happens. All the like lights that. go off and the static t- exactly. on the TV. It, I was like, this, this could work so well as an actual horror sci-fi if mm. they had kept going in that direction with it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, even though I was kind of sounding like I was giving out about it because it's just very reminiscent of any alien invasion movie. Yeah, but The way it does the whole TV thing is really cool. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, that was a teaser or part of the trailer. Yeah, yeah. There, there was definitely, definitely a small that. teaser, like not, not even a video. It was just kind of like a a gif or a moving poster where it's just that image yeah. going uh you are not alone or something like that and people are like what the fuck is this yeah, you are not I, I love how it it changes languages when you're going to different parts of the world yeah. as well yeah it, you know he's saying you are not alone in, in completely different languages which is a great little touch mm. but it's um, terrifying like it's genuine you're like jesus christ yeah. <laughs> fucking That's hell really who's this monster coming down um yeah, I mean, trying to keep on good points. Um, I do like that there's in-universe explanations for a lot of the ridiculous things that happened in this movie. Like, bigger, big criticism was always like, well, if they had enough time to send Clark to Earth, why didn't um, Jor-El and, and was it Lana L, I think was her name? Uh, yeah. Lara L. Uh, why didn't they get on the oh, same Oh, yes, Lara, and, yeah. Yeah, why didn't they get on the same ship and go? They obviously had time. And the whole point is, and it's explained through the course of the movie, that he didn't want to contaminate Clark's um, experiences growing up on a human world with Kryptonian influence. So he would give Kryptonians the best new start on a new planet because he's not uh, compromised by their policies and their their governance, I guess. Um, so I, I like that. Um, I didn't... 
I don't know if I liked or hated the reason as to why he has superpowers. You know, the whole thing of saying, oh, the, the radiation, his cells will soak it up. Yeah. And... I mean, I will say that's, I think, something everyone can get pissed off about. But that's just a Superman mythos. Yeah. And yeah, you have no, to get past it. Right? You have to be like, yeah, okay, he gets his powers from that. What does annoy me a little bit is how quickly um, the other Krypton guys develop their powers. Now it is said, oh, we're genetically engineered to be fighters and murderers. But so but here's we of course thing. are going to become that so quickly. Maybe this this is a flaw, or maybe it's maybe there's something to explain it in the movie that I missed. But if you had a choice between you could live on a world that's been terraformed to live on your uh, to be terraformed to be exactly like the world you that was been destroyed that you lost whatever or live on this other new world that's really nice that has loads of farms loads of water fresh air blah blah and you also can fly you have extra vision super hearing that would you really want to terraform that place to become yep. kryptonian again versus but being for men <laughs> you're 100 percent right but that's the whole point that you were saying about jor-el not wanting to go to earth himself yeah it's because all the kryptons were they were backwards they didn't mm. see any way forwards other than to be themselves yeah. And by being themselves, they destroyed their planet. And it was the exact same with these guys who showed up. They were like the OG Krypton guys. Of course, we want to make our own planet. And the image of us, and we're so amazing. Um, mm. They're racists. They're yeah. massive racists. So they don't want to integrate the existing society into theirs. They want to completely wipe the slate yeah. and just put in their own society again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I suppose. I like, I mean, um... Go on. Sorry, no, go on, Ray. No, I was just saying, I suppose you're, like, you're right, Rob. Like There is the whole understory about the bloodlines and certain bloodlines being approved for birth that was kind of hinted at the start of the movie. You know, when uh, Jor-El was saying, like, and who should uh, uh, who should these people be? Like, your bloodline? And, and basically saying how Zod wanted control of who was going to be born or not. Yep. Hmm. Sorry, Ed, what were you going to say? Just on um, on some other positives, um, talking about the, the first half before Zod uh, appears, um, there are bits like when he's working on the oil rig. I like that scene, mm. um, and when he say he saves the other the other crew members, and then he's floating in the water, and you see him kind of going back to his childhood, yeah, and being bullied and. I don't want to go into the negative part of this. I'll, I'll save this. There's, there's a <laughs> massive it. negative part of this. Yep, um, so I like I like that element. I like when he saves the kids in the school bus. Yeah, that was um, nice touch. Yeah, and then there's also a scene when he's walking away. From, he's, he's, he's thumbing a lift trying to get back home. And uh, the the song from Chris Cornell, Seasons Plays, I like that bit as well. I mm. the, it's also very... Uh, there's two things that are like from TV there. One, the thumbing for lift back home is essentially the TV Hulk. Yeah, you know, yeah. The incredible Hulk TV down, show. Yeah. Um, now, I don't know if you guys know Superman Mythos, so I'm just going to ask a general question. Is that bus crash like a canonical thing? That happens in Smallville as well. Um, I don't right? know. No, 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 what happens in Smallville is no. Lex goes off the bridge into the water. That's and right. Pulls him out. Just, oh, I think there's yeah. always... I, I I can't I can't 100% say and maybe anyone listening to the show can kind of correct us but I think there's always an incident involving a vehicle going into the water and he has to go in and pull it out and that's kind of how he can save people without being seen 
So he's able to get away and there's people are disorientated from being in the water and they think they saw someone and they didn't. Um, but I'm pretty sure most, like maybe even Superboy had it as well. And I think Dean Cain's Superman and Lois had a scene like that also. I don't know, maybe, maybe. But there is always an incident that basically him as a kid, like I know in, was it the Christopher Reeve movie? It was stopping the bus on like a big busy street in New York and handprints being on the bus. Yeah. Um so I don't know. Yeah. Um side note. Um kinda unfortunate about Dean Kane, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah, don't need to go into that. That's yeah, no. <laughs> he's Dean crazy, is he? Yeah. Hey, yes he is, yeah. He's Fair enough. Know, some of the stuff he says is crazy. Ah uh, sure. Um <clears throat> most other supermen are lovely. Yeah. Um but we also have the the flight scene is around this time as well. After he's uh, he's talked to Jor-El in the, the Fortress world, of Solitude. World trip, yeah. And he meets Amy Adams there as well. Yeah. But I like I like all this this build up and we, we're we're getting a little bit of the, the Superman lore mm. here and the score that goes along with that, as we were talking about earlier on, um when he, he takes his first flight is magical. Yeah. Magical. But it um, is like it it's like we could, can't really say it enough for a score that is so understated. I think it's amazing how well it portrays that beauty and magic of flying. Mm. You know, for something that's so kind of simple, really. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I also really like the. Uh, I love Lawrence Fishburne as Perry White. I think he's great in. Yeah, again, he's brilliant. Yeah, there's the not the second half. Yeah, exactly. The second half, he's just gone. Apart from a couple of bits, he's mm, just gone, yeah. and that's um, it's disappointing when that happens. Mm. Um, but for the bits he's in, he is great, and I I hope maybe we'll see a bit more of him in Justice League. Who knows? Um, yeah, yeah, I hope so. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go. I'm gonna do two more positives I have with the film are the um, relationship between Clark and Martha. I think you see a little bit of her insecurity with the their relationship when he comes back from the Fortress of Solitude and tells her about meeting his dad. Yeah, she you can you actually see, see that. Yeah, yeah, you see that she's happy for him, but she's also thinking I'm, about oh well, what does this mean for him first of all, and also like does this mean that you know. He's gonna forget about us, or yeah. I, that's what I I took from that that little scene as well. Yeah, uh, just uh, kind of while before we move on to the next point is I similarly I like the relationship, even though I think Kevin Costner is a terrible Jonathan Kent. <laughs> he's a horrible person. Well, we, again, we'll go on to this. <laughs> but uh, yeah. there's a beautiful scene where he's uh, explaining to Clark where they found him, and he's showing him the pod that he arrived in, and Clark goes, uh, oh, "It's a beautiful scene where he goes, I just kind of go back to just being your son." And you can see John the King goes, you are my son. And he's, his voice is kind of breaking. And it's like, oh, it's just a yeah. lovely little scene. I that, think. Yeah, it's great. This is going to lead into a negative, which is fine. Um, that is the best moment as John and Kent. Yeah. Um, it's beautiful father-son moment. It's a pity um, about all Kevin, the stuff he said just before that. Exactly. <laughs> Let kids die. Don't worry if you yeah. have powers. This, I'll go get the dog. <laughs> this, is, I guess, is my... My problem again, right, as a viewer, is that with the history of having watched so much Smallville and watched all the other Supermans, mm. read some Superman comics, to me, Jonathan Kent was always that epitome of a dad. Mm. He is like you're the greatest dad ever. And he is why, well, him and his wife, obviously, Superman's parents both, are the reason why he's so hopeful and he is this 
idyllic figure. Yeah. You know, Superman isn't grim and dark and moody in the way that this movie actually portrays him as. Yeah. And, and like, um, as far as I'm aware, idea... in, in lore, his adoptive parents are very encouraging of him to become better. Yes. So and that's this, the point. Yeah. The problem I have with this movie is the idea that Jonathan Kent would stop Superman from actually saving people. Yeah. Like, well, even to me, the fact that John he goes, Kent, like, where Clark goes, watch out, done, let, let him die. And he goes, baby. <laughs> yeah, I hate that. And <laughs> no, the idea that, like, that. that moment when Jonathan Kent dies, I was roaring at the TV because literally, <laughs> they're, on, they're at the underpass, um, Clark and Martha, and all the other people who are in the cars, they're all at the underpass, and Jonathan's standing there. All Clark has to do is run up a few steps as if to go on the underpass, and then go into super speed. Yeah. And go catch him. Put him somewhere else. He's fucking Superman. Or he could he ran over it instead of the father and go, I, the dog ran away. I'll pretend to hide under the car, but lie no. under the car, punch your hands through and hold the car down so it makes it look like yeah. he survived. But I think it's like you were saying with the water, Ray. This is such a chaotic situation that it wouldn't matter if anyone saw him. You could easily just say, no, that was something else you saw. Yeah, no one would believe like, him. Like, to me... Superman's parents instilled him such a love of everything yeah. that there's no way he would just casually let his father die, regardless of what he taught in that moment. Yeah. No, yeah. Do, do you know when you ignore your parents when you know they're talking batshit crazy? Yes. <laughs> yes. Racist nonsense. <laughs> yeah. You, you go, oh, but you know what? My parents don't know everything. If yeah. my dad ever says to me, oh, do you know what? Don't give me mouth to mouth resuscitation. Okay, I'm just going to go peacefully. No, I'm actually going to try and save you, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's just say that's probably... You're not, talking, you're not talking any sense here, Dad. You're in, you're in a state yeah. of confusion. That it, for, for a great actor like Kevin Costner, the, the portrayal of Jonathan Kent or the direction that he was given or the decision to make him appear this way was one of the bigger letdowns of that character. Um, yeah, I don't know who to blame for that. Um, mm. At the end of the day... Oh, the right. Be, it's the right. Yeah, it, well, it does fall to the director too, who crafts the overall. Uh, oh no, sorry. Yeah, movie. I mean, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. It's the writing and the direction, but I would was... not place blame at Kevin Costner's yeah. story. He's no, quite no, good absolutely not. It was a great thing I remember reading or watching. I can't even remember what the source was when someone did kind of an analysis of Christopher Reeve's uh, Superman, and he shows you know how he acts as Clark Kent, and that his version of it, like Clark Kent is essentially his costume. It's hmm. what he thinks human beings are. And they're bumbling cowards <laughs> who need to be protected, essentially, is what mm. Clark Kent is, right? Now, obviously, he doesn't think all humans are like that because, you know, Lois Lane clearly defines exactly the opposite. Mm. Um, but th- his way to fit in and um, to be the exact opposite of Superman is a bumbling coward. Yeah. It's just, and that was so interesting in that movie to see, well, the two movies, we won't talk about Superman 3. Um, and it just doesn't show here. You don't yeah. get that distinction between where i guess as a teenager he's really kind of being the young superman slightly the young clark kent mm. there's there is a difference because the young clark kent gets defined later on as a persona but really as a like everyone else he's just this hot pot boiling emotion and things as a teenager mm. um i just it was so frustrating there, were, there should have been love and happiness there in any of the old like the other scenes with his family when he's young and there just wasn't yeah it was that one yeah. moment you mentioned ray and i think that was it yeah yeah it's it's but i like I, I mean with with his family i also like the moment where martha comes and visits him in the school 
as, as he's having a panic attack. About <laughs> I, the... <laughs> I do like that. But what pissed me off though was, why are all the other kids there? Even when uh, the yeah. Like, yeah. if I was the parent, be talking to the teacher, going, get rid of these kids, please. Yeah. My son yeah. is having a moment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> get away mm. yeah yeah, yeah. I, I did think that as well but um no just as far as the that's why i i i think the relationship between marta and clark is an awful lot more um believable and well thought out than the relationship between his dad and himself mm. um, yeah. there is a really good positive there on that and that's point i really like because it does come later into the movie when zod loses helmet and it is overwhelmed by all the extreme senses he has and superman just echoes that back is like i learned to make the world small kind of basically showing that you know it was the love of his parents that gave him the strength he has now mm. to be able mm-hmm. to control himself i don't think they used it enough because that should always be the major point is that superman is who he is because of his parents mm. you know he learned to control and be superman and control it the way he has it because of the love of his parents and that should always should have, i think could have shown a little bit more it was still well done but i think it could have been more there to show that superman will always be stronger because of his history i'd love if um if you see the scene where zod is coming down and superman just goes to doesn't do anything sits in, sits on the couch and marta's like you're you not going to do something about this dad wouldn't want me to <laughs> you wouldn't want me to get involved. Do you um, remember I, um, uh, how it should have ended? Dot com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was a great one of the earliest ones of that was um, how it should have ended. Superman, the original mm-hmm. Superman, and you know the original ending of Superman is uh, Lex Spinning sets off. Like, yeah, he, he like... sets off two nukes to go around the world, right? And it's like you wouldn't possibly have time to stop both of them, and it's like. Of course I do. I'm super mad. It just shows like immediately back up with the two nukes in his hands. Like, are these your two nukes? I, I flew around the world a couple of times. These are the only nukes I could find. Yeah. And I just, yeah, I was watching it thinking, that ship's coming down. He could probably just destroy it with his laser eyes before it even landed. Mm. Yeah, quite true. Uh, maybe it's... Now, admittedly, it's, uh, maybe it's cr- killing it's cr- his own. Well, he doesn't know. Uh, it's, it's also Krypton on Krypton. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Uh, the only other, the only other positive, I oh, there's a few positives, but the only other real main positive I have from the film is the escape scene from the ship when Amy Adams and yeah. Superman are are captured, and she is escaping through the tutorial and the instruction of Jor El. <laughs> It is very like a computer game tutorial. It's, <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like go, he's go literally right. a human signpost. Yeah. She like comes around the corner. And he just has another hand pointed over that way. <laughs> yeah, move, Press move, speed, move, move your head left. Yeah, yeah. shoot yeah. the gun. <laughs> it's it's a, but it works so well in that scene. Yeah. I love it. Um, and the score is great. It's there's great tension in it, and you're I don't know. It's it's amping up to unfortunately a lackluster ending. Yeah, that's just smash grab wallop. Um, yeah. one, one great scene I actually loved it was the scene where I guess the Kryptonians are doing some sort of mind invasion on Clark when he's on the Kryptonian ship in space for the first time where he has that kind of hallucination dream scene with Zod standing on the field of skulls and he's actually yeah. rocking the black Superman costume just like yeah this is fucking great and we're definitely um, seeing a lot more of that yeah hell yes but I loved I loved that scene Especially as like he was like sinking into the skulls, he's like, "No, pretty cool." Yeah, it's very good. Yeah, I like I like that scene a lot. And then 
as I said, do you know what? I really don't remember a lot. And I only watched it on Friday. I don't remember a lot of what happens action to action beat after this. Yeah, it's yeah. I just a I mean, mess. Yeah, same. It's just punching. Some yeah. of the CG is a little bit, um, granted, look, it's nearly yeah. eight years ago. Um, some of the fighting <laughs> him, him and Zod oh, look yeah. a little unpolished. They're very rubbery. Yeah, um, rubbery is probably a lot of moments. Do you know when you see the head, they do the, the face thing down. every effect in the movie does, the, the helmet flies backwards yeah. and disappears into their suit. It, their head always looks like it's just floating there and their body's mm. CG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, um, but these things happen. Yeah, I mean, to to top it off, then like oh, that that big fight is fine. You know, I like how it ties into the beginning of BVS, which is pretty cool. But um, where they end up in Metropolis' version of Grand Central Station, which is obviously what it is, and Zod says something like, "If you love these people so much, um, what are you willing to do for them?" Or is that what he says? Something like that. And then he begins you, laserizing. Yeah. Um, oh, now, says, I have a big um, question for this. I ha- is he your says, question going to be the exact same sorry, one as me? I'll just, I'll just, I'll just answer Ray's thing first. He says, um, "If you're, if you love the, if you love them so much, you can mourn for them." Yeah. yeah, that's the one. Now, this is my question, probably the same as Ray's. I thought Superman's laser eyes followed the direction of his eyes. Yes, they do. They didn't just go perpendicular to his skull, right? That's if true. he looks to the side, the laser beams go to the side, right? This is yeah. all true. So he's holding Zod's head in place. <laughs> Why doesn't he just look Why to his right? Look in their direction. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, he, he, maybe he doesn't. Look, I don't know what the motive is behind that. If the motive is that he's trying to add suspense to the scene and see what Clark's willing to do, he's not adding it because it's not obvious. No. Uh, it just the looks like he can't turn his eyes. So maybe yeah. it does look like it's coming out from from, it's not like the the laser eyes from the old Superman. It does look like it's coming out from his entire eyeball. So maybe it's just straight. I don't but know. Even maybe then, maybe that, it has to head. You can still move your eyeballs, but I like I could be wrong. It's just it's a little thing. No, but that's it's what it, it might even be from his eyes. It might yeah, he, oh, God, could be from his like, brain. Such a nerdy fucking talk. But yes, like I is. I know what you mean. It if you're you can look for excuses either way for yep. for what's going on. It just they, they don't give you enough information. Yeah. The other thing I have is I don't feel the tension that's supposed to be there where Superman's like, I don't want to kill these, this guy. Like, the whole philosophy of the scene is the trolley problem. At least that's what it feels like they're trying to do, where it's, I kill this one guy to save that whole family. But it's not the trolley problem because it's it, the difference would be instead of being able to redirect the trolley to kill one person to save two, it's, I'm going to blow up the trolley. And save everyone. Zod's the trolley in this case, not the other person on the tracks. Um, of course he'd kill him. You know my this, my this... my. But my problem with this right is that you know the whole idea that Superman doesn't kill. Um, and listen, you can you can justify you know which way you want to go with that. I don't. It doesn't really bother me if he does or he doesn't. But the excuse that came out with it from Snyder was, well, look at the situation he's in. What's he meant to do? And my response to that was, mm. but you wrote the situation. Yeah. You could have written any other situation you wanted, right? Yeah, I 100% agree. <laughs> Real Superman wouldn't end up in this situation. <laughs> <laughs> it just wouldn't happen. Now, it's, of course, Real Superman not have like, broken his legs or something or like... <laughs> just made him look up. <laughs> just made him look up. <laughs> 
like just done something um, else like or, I don't know like break his leg could he, or, like, could he not have like gone back in time and been part of the JFK assassination or something like that um, he should have got was... he should have got a Kryptonian motorcycle helmet and put it on his head <laughs> backwards yeah. um, <laughs> we're gonna be real we're gonna be real nerdy and actually I'm gonna throw back to something Ray suggested to me years ago which is the, a canonical example of who Superman is and what his morals are um, and it's from a cartoon movie called Superman versus the Elite. Ooh, and the Elite is like a this. squad of superheroes do kill people. And like then people start giving out to Superman of, why do you let your villains live? They just get to go on and rampage again another day. And if anyone wants to understand more about Superman and why he doesn't kill everyone all the time, mm. that's a really good movie to watch. Yeah. I think I think I God, maybe I haven't seen it. Is that the one that where um, Captain Britain You definitely is saw it. Good- Yes, you recommended it to me. Um, we were having a very similar conversation to this once. Um, it is really good. God, yeah, I agree, Ed. I was the movie exact same thing. In, though. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a really contrived situation at the end of the movie. and it's... I just hate that justification. and like, well, look what situation he's in. But like, that's your fault. <laughs> yeah. It just happened. Like, what was can, your you question, can, right? You can justify that in any way you want. You can you can put him in the most ridiculously like horrible situation and go, yeah, but like, I mean, what else was he meant to do? Yeah. I don't know. Any, anything else. It's, Use your brain. It's kind of a weird one that he's so... I guess that's the death that people focus on the most. Maybe because it's directly at Superman's hands. But Superman has to know that when he's punching Zod through these like walls and buildings that people are getting maimed, killed and injured. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. what, why is a tactician that Superman not just bear hug him and fly towards the ground? Like literally yep. just grab him and go and fucking just drive both of you down into the ground. Go, go into space. Yeah, go, go into space, space fly to the moon breathe. or well, yeah, yeah. I mean like there, there seem to be a lot of easier ways to take Zod down than just punching him into yeah. random buildings where innocent people are This is are what I was killed. talking about earlier with BVS where the backlash to this and some of the, I can't remember, was it um, Ultron? Yeah. Yeah, it was Ultron um, where people were like, you're killing way too many innocent people in these movies. Even if they're not real, mm-hmm. these superheroes are doing a really bad job. There was a huge backlash at the time, especially because kind of like school shootings and things mm-hmm. like real violence. People have been so affected by it um, in the last like 10, 20 years that, you know, we just don't accept that our superheroes, our literal like story gods, yeah. would do this kind of stuff. So that in BVS, when they have the fight scene together between Batman and Superman, they like, oh, this is an empty dock. Nobody's working here. Yeah, you have to yeah. explicitly state that they're not killing people by blowing up all these buildings. It's the whole Dragon Ball Z oh. mentality. Is just like they live in a populated <laughs> world, but anytime they're having a fight, it seems to be in this desolate wasteland where no innocent people can potentially yeah. get hurt, even though they're like every punch is basically a nuclear bomb. <laughs> Like, who knew Earth had so many, like, gigantic, grassy canyons? Yeah. With no one around. <laughs> uh, yeah, what I mean... Think of, um, what do we think of Lois Lane in this film? Brilliant. I, I really like Amy yep. Adams as this, um, um, in this version. Um, she's one of the better interpretations of Lois Lane, I think. Yeah, I agree. I think what annoys me about... Not about this version, but shows us that we can have a really good Lois Lane. And then that's pretty sure this is kind of the best we ever get of her. Yeah, she's kind of um, especially yeah, fucking Justice League. in the second. She's, she just yeah. becomes the, the, I hate saying this, but she comes, 
the damsel in distress in Justice League that Superman just yep. has to save and she just happens to get from point A to point B. She's not really using her ability yep. as a journalist to help. I guess it was kind of retroactive in the comics, right? And TV shows and movies and stuff where they showed us that Lois Lane isn't really a damsel in distress anymore, mm. right? She's a like really strong, intelligent woman. Yeah, her father was her father's in general as well. Like she was yeah. raised in a military lifestyle. That's why the escape scene is so cool in this. Mm. That's her best scene. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I love the the interaction between her and Russell Crowe as well. Even though like he's just um, I don't know a talking hologram. Um, they still they still so have <laughs> <laughs> they still have this um, this chemistry between them mm. that works really yeah. well. And it, yeah, as you said, like it's it's a it's it's a different type of. Um, female representation in a superhero film which i appreciated um i'm not the biggest amy adams fan but i do enjoy her in this again i feel like like most other characters in the film the last half an hour they're all just kind of thrown to one side and whatever yep. they did before up to that point doesn't really matter anymore yeah we just watch a bunch of skyscrapers getting destroyed yeah yeah so. quick quick as hypothetical who do you think would have been a better like i know we're kind of running over time here but let's wrap it up in the next like 10 minutes so but who would you think would have been a better first movie villain for superman to go against rather than zod if you had to say right zod's second movie he's the joker to superman superman um like i I struggle to think because lex Luthor has been done so like they yeah, couldn't they couldn't have started with Lex Luthor because you had Gene Hackman's version, you had Kevin Spacey's version. Doing it again would have felt like, here we go again. Um, I think, and there could have been. Well, okay, <laughs> it's not a lot of time to write a screenplay, Ray. But uh, <laughs> there could have been an <laughs> come interesting on, come on, case. You could do of, it in fifteen minutes. I think there could be an interesting case for Brainiac, where you have like someone develop an AI on Earth, hmm. and it gets hacked by some sort of. Krypton technology and yeah. becomes Brainiac. Hmm. Wasn't Brainiac on Krypton? Was not the yes. whole story. Yeah. He was. Uh, he was their defense systems, right? Yeah, yeah. And then he became obsessed with preserving societies. And what he did was he used to uh, shrink samples of major cities from the plans he would visit and preserve them in kind of like a zoo. Um, yeah. yeah, that's where. Um, Supergirl comes from, isn't it? Yeah, Kandor, I think, is the name of the city she's yeah. from. Do we think Supergirl is there somewhere? No. I, I know what you're thinking no. with the open pod, but that, that ship crash-landed, what, 20,000 years ago? Yeah. But wasn't it I a think, thing that she's actually older than him? Yeah, but... But that's the whole thing with um, Kandor getting bottled, mm. is it gets bottled and kind of kept in time, and there's a bunch of Kryptons there. If she escapes somehow? Um, so she's his cousin. Yeah, she, she's um, her name is Kara L. Um, no, Kara Zorel is her name. Um, so she must be his cousin on his mother's side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, uh, that's so. That's my argument. I think Brainiac would work. Now, the yeah. one thing going against that is maybe it's a little bit similar to Green Lantern, where you had. Um, What's his face? I can't remember the name of the villain, the brainy villain in Green Lantern. Sinestro. Yes. Mm-hmm. No, Sinestro was. Oh, one. sorry. Um, no, it's. Ah, it's... Oh, don't. Say it. <laughs> it's just a big cloud in the film. No, that's um, 
I mean, the guy, the Galactic? human guy who gets infected with, uh, and he comes Oh, Doctor, it's Doctor something. Yeah, it's I can't Mef- remember, but Mef- it would be Mef- a little Mef- bit like Mef- that, I guess. What'd you say, Ray? What'd you say, Ray? I thought it was like uh, Mephisto. Hector or... Hammond. Hector Hammond. Mm. Yeah, that's... It's Hector, it's Hector Hammond. That's my uh, suggestion, is Brainiac. Yeah. Or at least an early the, version. The problem, with, the problem with that is that it's kind of still with the in line with the Krypton backstory. It is. And if we're complaining it... about him not being Superman yet, then I feel no, I like think he, he can, can be do Superman something. and do it. Um, he could do something a lot better with Brainiac. I feel like he should. He should be like a massive. I do feel like he's three and four films down the line. Yeah, maybe you're right. But it is hard that you're like the first film is really Zod works for the first film. I think it's the Superman character that ma- doesn't make sense with the Zod we mm-hmm. get. So yeah, it's, like, it's yeah. Superman's fault that the villain is bad. <laughs> <laughs> but it always is, though. Yeah, um, because they have to be. Well, at least this is one of those usual same versus same movies that Marvel are so prone to do can get a little bit boring. Um, but the whole idea is that that villain is the mirror image of the hero. So mm. they help you define the hero a bit more. Um, yeah, I agree. I think uh, it's hard to say Lex Luthor, as Ray was saying, he's been done to death. And also the Lex Luthor we got was really bad. Yeah, in a way, do you know who I thought might have been better um, as a first movie villain? And I know Smallville explored this somewhat. It was Lionel Luther? That would be really cool. Like Lionel Luther being like, the, like imagine if Lionel Luther was the old school version of Lex Luther. That was kind of at the end of his kind of uh, conglomerate corporation, and he was slowly kind of phasing it out. And young Lex Luther was actually maybe an anti-hero, so he was a bit of a dickhead, but he was doing the right yeah. thing. And like young Luther joining forces with Superman to take down his father, but then young Luther being corrupted by the power he's now earned. Um, like that might have been a bit better. Like, but then again, it might have drawn way too much comparison with the previous Lex Luthor. And why is the villains still always the Luthers? Yep. Uh, I was just looking if, if, you, if you'd done a thing where like his dad had been is somehow involved in the Kennedy assassination would have been a really interesting <laughs> little bit to explore. <laughs> that, that's my constant pitch and I'll have nothing said. said around. Just, he actually would be the right age as well to have I know. I, know. Um, I was actually just... Yeah. yeah, conveniently enough, I was just looking at like Superman's rogues gallery and it's fucking brutal. Like, some yeah, of his rogues gallery... <laughs> Like honestly, man, Batman's Rogues Gallery kicks the dick off this. It like kicks the dick off of most other, most other uh, superheroes. Like yeah, Spider Man, Spider Man is as close, and I don't think it isn't even close. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, some of some of the ones that I see here, like Solomon Grundy, you could never do that. Um, Bizarro, like, Bizarro, you could never <laughs> do that. Like then there's Lobo. Lobo is too weird for live action. Crack Sheriff um, Lobo. There's um. Atlas, who's basically fucking Hercules, um, like, like you're saying, Brainiac. I mean, the, his rogues gallery is fairly fucking light on talent. You have three, and that's it. You like really? Yeah, I mean, yeah. other than that, you have uh, Justice League villains, really. Mm. 
Yeah, I mean, it might have been a bit braver just to kind of come out and just create a new villain for it, like just something brand new. But then again, I don't know. Well, speaking of um, of Justice League, one final question for us. Do yep. we think with the Snyder Cut that there'll be any sort of um, overt callbacks to Man of Steel? Depends apart, on the new apart footage. characters. Have they shot any new footage? Two scenes, I think. Maybe then, yes. But most but, of the, I mean, most of the scenes we haven't seen. Um, so he said, I, so basically for Justice League Snyder Cut, we have seen twenty five percent of the film, but they're also the, yeah, we've seen twenty five percent of the film so far. We've seventy five. So we're basically going to see three week. hours new footage. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> That's bad. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe because I, I I was originally thinking with bringing in Jared Leto back as Joker that there might have been a bit of kind of backstory fleshed out between the characters. But I think Jared Leto's Joker, um, I shared the image that was released today, looks like he's an aged Joker that's probably going to be either in the Doomsday future or some sort of future-esque scenario. Um yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we we're going to get any kind of Man of Steel callbacks, really, to be honest. It's hard to know. how. What do you think the callback would be if it was there? Something about some Kryptons or technology? Yeah, like, you know, in BVS, we have the, the technology coming into it from... Actually, no. I mean, we already have the callback because the, the ship they go into yeah. to bring them back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I'm wondering if there would be anything more like um, any more talk of Zod or... I'm just wondering if they're going to tie in more directly with Man of Steel, but mm. actually just thinking back, cause it's been a while now since I watched Justice League for obvious reasons, that yeah. uh, the there's, there is actually quite a, a callback to Man of Steel in it. So. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we'll find out in a month-ish. Five weeks? Yeah crazy it's crazy to think that the movie's here and it's actually coming out and it's a real thing (laughs) yeah it's so mad we should now talk about um the our potential new podcasts coming up yeah so i think we've wrapped up on man of steel yeah we're wrapped up on man of steel it's it pretty much done so next is going to be bvs i think Mm mm-hmm um so oh, you know, now you guys you have to watch the director's cut not this oh, yeah. that, I, I was yeah. definitely gonna it's a much better movie yeah it is um yeah so we're gonna watch the director's cut of bvs batman v superman hashtags dawn of justice i think it's called um and then follow that up with joss whedon's attempt at justice league <laughs> No, but also we have uh, we have potential other podcasts coming up. Oh yeah, sorry. Um, thanks, Eddie. We will be doing a bit of a crossover podcast with the the t- Tin Can podcast that Eddie rambles on about. Tin Pot. <laughs> tin, tin Pot. pot. Get it right. Sorry, I can't even get the insults right. Um, with SideQuest Heroes, the kind of gaming podcast I do with Clive Cookson, where we're going to be bringing, um. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna 
we're Rob. going to be bring, bring in Rob and helpful amplitude Eddie Bolton onto the podcast to answer what I believe is 20 quickfire questions on video games. Uh, multiple choice, not going to be too demanding, lads, so don't feel too much under pressure. You have a 25% chance of getting it right. Um, Can I just say, Ray, I listened to your, your new podcast and I feel like I've been giving you too hard a time. On oh, this. Thanks. thanks. Yeah, because you were, you were quite polite about me and your co-host, it's just as well his name is Cookson because he's definitely trying to stir the pot. Hoy! <laughs> <laughs> trying to trying to dig up some dirt and trying to trying to separate us. Clive, son of cooks. <laughs> so uh, yeah, bring on your questions, Clive. Yep. <laughs> I, I think you guys will do quite Just well. Just asking for trouble there. Um, I'm going to be miserable. Absolutely miserable. But we're also, um, in turn, I believe I'll kind of step to the side, but I will allow Eddie and Rob to kind of come up with the theme of the crossover show. We're going to be bringing Clive onto screen 17 and to answer, I guess, maybe 20 movie questions because I'm okay with movies. You, your guys have much better movie knowledge base than I do. So I think it'll be better if you guys come up with 20 questions. Um, I like, could do that if hard, I like that we're going on first so that we can see how hard Clive makes these. Yeah, so mm. and then make and then make them harder, regardless. <laughs> and I think uh, when, when we bring Clive on, we might actually talk about a couple of failed or miserable, crappy movies based on video games, and maybe one or two really good ones. Yeah, more combat's going to get a shout out. Sounds good fun. Brilliant. So, unless there's anything else, I've been Raymond. I've been Rob, and I'm still helpful amplitude. And remember to find or follow us on Facebook or Instagram, and we'll chat to you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.